I don't have any justifiable explanation for why someone would write this as a resolution. To be blunt, I thought this guy was really hot. Honestly, he's continued to age well, so I still do. And as someone who had never even kissed anyone still, I guess this was my innocently scandalous side coming through in a weird way. Welcome back to Interstates and Heartbreak, a podcast about dating and relationships in a city where the only constant is traffic. For those of you who may be tuning in for the first time, I'm Leslie Grant, and this week's episode is different from all my previous episodes because it's actually my first solo recording. Admittedly, I am pretty nervous. When I launched this podcast, I didn't really plan on ever recording by myself. Of course, it's something that I'd considered at times, but it was hard to envision entertaining myself, let alone an audience, week over week. And beyond that, I really wanted this to feel like a fun discussion with friends, whether it be with the people who know me best or with new connections that I've made as a result of the podcast. But in the interest of pushing myself to try something new and to be a bit more transparent, I decided to give this a shot. And to clarify, I'm still going to be interviewing guests going forward for future episodes. So honestly, you should really commit to listening to this entire episode because A, it may wind up going down in history as the only solo podcast I ever record, um, depending how much I hate this experience. (laughs) And B, in many ways, it's going to be my most vulnerable episode to date. So I hope you enjoy But beyond just the change in the format, the timing of this episode feels more significant than most because it's the final episode of the year. And for once, I'm actually recording just before this episode comes out. So 2020 is quickly coming to a close. I mean, thank God. Unfortunately, the new year also means that we're about to be bombarded with a flood of Instagram posts with captions that are either brag sheets of accomplishments for the year or pseudo introspective attempts to distract from the fact that people were really just looking for an excuse to post one final end of year thirst trap. And even at its most earnest, the new year is kind of just a cringy time in general because it sets the expectation that it's finally time for a reality check and to commit to getting our lives together, which is just so much pressure. I wish I could say that I was immune to these pressures, but the last two years of jumping on the January Whole30 bandwagon um, definitely indicate otherwise. And going back even further, I've always kind of fed into the idea that January 1st held some significance as a milestone marker of sorts. Unfortunately for my pride, but fortunately for the sake of content, I actually have documented proof of the significance that I placed on this calendar date, and it comes in the form of my childhood journals. So I probably started writing in journals the moment I read my first Judy Bloom book in elementary school, honestly, and this practice actually continued on into high school with surprising consistency. And I remembered that this time of the year was always cemented in these journals with some ridiculous list of what I thought at the time were perfectly acceptable resolutions to set. And so rather than take this episode as an opportunity to dive into my resolutions for the upcoming year, I figured I would take the opportunity to kind of give a peek into my cringy adolescence by sharing my New Year's resolutions from some of my most formative years. 
eighth and ninth grades. So starting with eighth grade, this year had actually brought one of my first memorable New Year's Eve celebrations. Earlier that year, I'd won tickets to go to Magic Mountain that expired after December 31st. So in true last minute fashion, my parents took me to the theme park on the date of expiration. Unfortunately, we didn't leave first thing in the morning. The traffic was super horrible both ways and the lines were of course insane. So I think I legitimately went on one ride before we drove back down to San Diego so I could go to a friend's sleepover, which was honestly way more fun. So just given my recent excitement over the day's events, my New Year's Day entry for that year had started out with a recap of that before diving into the actual dirt. So from here on out, This is my verbatim phrasing, starting with the admission that I hadn't really thought about them before, so I'll just write whatever. Clearly off to a solid start and just diving in head first with this first resolution. Number one, get a boyfriend. That's it. That is literally the entirety of that resolution. Nothing whatsoever about the type of relationship I wanted to be in or the qualities I'm looking for in a guy or anything else. Shockingly, I'd technically already had a boyfriend. So I was writing this in eighth grade and in seventh grade, I had a period of time where I was hanging out with this other girl in my grade who was kind of edgy. The following year, she actually got caught having sex on our middle school campus. So how we ended up being friends for even any period of time at all is pretty inexplicable. But we were friends and she introduced me to these two ninth graders who she knew at the high school that was just down the street from us. So one of them took a liking to me. I don't know why, not to say that, you know, there weren't some great qualities, but typically not what I think like high school boys are looking for in a girlfriend. He just saw through the awkwardness somehow. And technically he became my boyfriend, but that was in title only. Um, we never kissed. I think at one point his friend made a joke about him, like grabbing my butt. And I remember being so mortified even at the idea of it. And it probably lasted all of two weeks. So given the fact that that quote unquote relationship made it pretty clear I wasn't anywhere near ready to have a boyfriend, in hindsight, it seems wild that this was my top resolution, especially because there wasn't like one specific person who had suddenly changed things for me. You know, it's not like I was writing about this guy who I had a big crush on and I wanted to go out with. It was just like get a boyfriend in general. So I could spend a lot more time on this one resolution alone, but I'm going to move on to the other resolutions I set this year and I'll circle back on this one. Number two, stop being late every time I go somewhere. Ironically, this was relevant at the time because I had been late just the day before to that aforementioned New Year's Eve sleepover. I was the last girl to arrive because I'd gotten stuck in traffic on the way back from that ill-timed Six Flags trip. So it's really unclear to me if this trend had improved or worsened in a noteworthy way of the course of the next year, but I am going to absolve myself from guilt on this one because I was only 13 and therefore I had no control over my transportation. So notably, when I did have full control over my whereabouts, which honestly was really just getting myself to class on time, I was never tardy. So I am going to maintain that I was not the problem here. Number three finish my homework before 11 every night. So I'm actually really curious, like if other people in middle school were staying up past 11 to do homework in eighth grade, because I have no justifiable explanation for why I would regularly be up past this time. Like I'm pretty sure even the middle school honors classes that I was taking or my softball schedule can't 
truly be to blame. And looking forward, it's really interesting to note that these days I most consistently find time to work on the podcast or squeeze in writing late at night, even on a work night. So I kind of wonder if I'm now forever chained to this tendency of sleep deprivation just based on these habits that I formed apparently back in middle school and maybe even earlier. Who knows? Resolution number four, learn to surf. So I wish that I could say I made good on this one. I still cannot surf. The summer before eighth grade, I had tried surfing for the first time and a handful of times after that, but it was never consistent enough for me to truly pick up on it. But you would never know that because I continued to subscribe to Surfer Girl magazine. I had an extended period of time where I exclusively wanted to shop at PacSun and San Diego and to really just drive the aesthetic home in case anyone who met me forgot that we were in fact living in San Diego, I made sure to hang seashells over my car rearview mirror when I did eventually get a car. And I was wearing seashell earrings in my driver's license photo, which I would like to say those were memorialized for 14 years until I finally got to take a new license photo earlier this year. So surfer, I was not, but you know, I really talked the talk, even though I didn't walk the walk. Okay, so this is the last one from eighth grade. And I would have to argue, this is the best one. Live it up every day, exclamation point. Like, what? Okay, so nowadays, as an adult, when you kind of go through your year end evaluations, it's kind of like your New Year's resolutions for work, right? So your goal setting for the year to come, and you're always encouraged to set SMART goals. So specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Clearly, I had learned nothing about these at this stage because there's nothing smart about this goal, like both in the figurative sense, but also like, where is the specificity? Like, what does it even mean to live it up every day? So I don't actually know how eighth grade me would have defined success in this case, but points for enthusiasm. And that wrapped it up. So I ended the entry by saying, well, I've got stuff to do. I'll do my best with these resolutions. And that was it. So very promising sign off. And yeah, I mean, as we noted, I don't know, I feel like these didn't really set me up for success. But that did not stop me from continuing this tradition into ninth grade. So initially, when I was reading through my old journals to find these resolutions, the plan was really just to focus on one year and kind of dive into those. But when I read my ninth grade resolutions as a follow up to eighth grade, a few elements stood out to me that had just compelled me to discuss both. So I'm just going to dive in. So I will say the first two clearly show some learnings when it comes to goal setting, as they definitely do fall into the SMART goal category. So one of them was to get an A in my bio class. And the second one was to pass the AP human geography test. So we have our priorities in order, like this is great, we're starting high school and we are really focused on our academics, love that. So unfortunately I can't say with certainty whether or not I got that A in bio, I know it wasn't below a B, but I, I really don't remember. And then for AP Human Geography, I did pass the class, 
but I didn't pass the AP test. And that was the only AP test that I failed. And it was such an embarrassment. I still feel a little ashamed to admit it. In hindsight, yes, it was forgivable. It was my first ever AP test. And I got my AP study game together after that. But, you know, had to take my first L before actually getting my shit together. So number three was keep in touch with Claremont peeps. And yes, I did say peeps instead of friends or people or any other legitimate vocabulary word. So for context around this one, in ninth grade, I wound up going to a high school that was one neighborhood over from the school that my middle school technically fed into, which would have been Claremont High. And this decision had caused a lot of inner turmoil for me at the time because I was really torn over whether it was the right choice to make or if I was going to be making a huge mistake by leaving my friends behind. And so a couple of weeks into ninth grade, I actually had gotten to the point where I was seriously considering switching over to Claremont before I finally did just commit to staying at my new school, which I ended up loving. So I made the right decision. But... Yeah, I think at the time I was just still mourning the loss of these relationships that I'd fostered over the last three years. And it was really just an earnest desire to maintain those in spite of the new distance. And some of those proved to be easier or more beneficial to maintain than others as time went on. But yeah, I'm happy to see that these relationships were something that I clearly prioritized at the time. So number four, we have a little bit of a callback here. Don't stay up past 11 p.m. doing homework more than one night a week. So clearly, if this tells me anything, it's that my 11 p.m. bedtime goal had proven to be unrealistic and I couldn't maintain it. So I decided to give myself some leeway, which I suspect also probably wound up being unrealistic. Number five, save up enough money for a digital camera by June. So this was probably my first really boring financial goal. I definitely met it as evidenced by the obnoxious volume of MySpace photos that I would proceed to upload over the next four years. So whether that was actually a net positive, uh, that's kind of debatable, but I did it. Number six, I did not do, and it was definitely the most random. Number six was start learning to play piano. I don't really understand where this came from. I'd owned a keyboard that I learned to play a few songs on in middle school, never with any consistency, but I didn't own a piano. I never made any effort to seek out a piano teacher or music studio or to sign up for band. So clearly this was just a win that came through and not something I followed up on. So yeah, that was a wash. So number seven, You know, after listening to the first six, you might think this girl has really matured a lot over the years. She's starting out by focusing on her academics. She's focusing on her friendships and relationships. She is setting money aside for tangible things that will make her life better. She wants to gain a new skill set. Honestly, I was pretty impressed with myself up until this point. So number seven... I'm going to change the name in this journal entry to Chad. It was not Chad, but this person might as well have been named Chad. Number seven was to dance with Chad. I really have no words. I don't have any justifiable explanation for why someone would write this as a resolution. 
to be blunt, I thought this guy was really hot. Honestly, he's continued to age well, so I still do. We'd flirted a few times, at least in my mind, of like what flirting meant as a 14-year-old. And as someone who had never even kissed anyone still, I guess this was my innocently scandalous side coming through in a weird way. The only redeeming thing that I can say about this is that in the same journal entry, just one paragraph down, I openly admitted that this was a, quote, stupid and shallow resolution, unquote. But I guess sometimes a girl just gives zero fucks, you know, apparently. So the final resolution to close this out In my actual entry, this was number three on the list, but I wanted to dive into this one last because it really brings everything from eighth grade full circle. And my last resolution was get a boyfriend I actually like. (laughs) So to my utter surprise, and probably to your surprise after listening to this, I did get a boyfriend after eighth grade. So that resolution was a success in the basic sense. And like I'd mentioned before, I was relatively new at my high school because I didn't go to the same middle school as most people. So I was socializing any way I could in hopes of meeting as many new friends as possible. And so one Friday after school, I met this guy at our freshman football game. And shortly after that, he had asked me to our homecoming dance, which I agreed to. So we went to the dance and I met his mom at the end of the dance after she picked him up, which felt weird at the time, to be honest. And then at some point after that, we became boyfriend-girlfriend. I don't even really remember how shortly after the dance or how he asked me. I think it was pretty nonchalant that we just were in a relationship after this. But to put it bluntly, this relationship couldn't have been more of a wash. Like we never spent any significant time together. We never had any classes together. We didn't have the same friend group. And we also never hung out outside of school, which in hindsight was pretty weird. So when we did spend time together, it was like at lunch or between classes. And I remember I always felt so awkward. And like part of that is I was going through the way people normally go through middle school relationships and that awkwardness, but in high school. And that first relationship that I'd been in wasn't any better, you know, like he didn't go to my school. Clearly he was in high school. So it's not like I ever really got that experience of like, this is how you're supposed to act around your friends when you have a boyfriend and they put their arm around you. And it sounds so juvenile now because it is, but it's still something you kind of have to figure out. Like the first time that you date someone and have to figure out how to act around them versus your friends and then how to act around them when your friends are also there it is really that foundation for dating as a whole. And so the first time you go through it is going to be awkward, whether you're in sixth grade or in my case, you're in ninth grade. So I felt awkward because of that. But then also I really wasn't into him, you know? And so we never even exchanged a kiss before we called things off. It was probably like two weeks, maybe three. I don't even know. So there's a lot to unpack here. And the main thing is the question of why I got into this relationship in the first place. Going to my first high school dance with this guy is one thing, but once I started to feel suffocated after a mere three hours together in our high school gym, I feel like that should have been a clear indication that I didn't need to be in a relationship with this person. But I will say I was clearly feeling a lot of pressure to meet some sort of relationship milestones, which led me to jump into something that I wasn't at all excited about. And I still remember an exchange between a new friend of mine who I'd met at this high school and she was becoming a good friend, but we weren't close enough for her to know that I had not experienced my first kiss yet. 
she had a boyfriend and I remember she said, imagine turning 15 and never having experienced your first kiss. Like something would definitely be wrong with you at this point. So as a 14 year old who saw that ripe old age of 15 quickly approaching, that definitely set off some alarm bells in my head. And like, that sounds so stupid to feel like, oh my God, my clock is ticking when you're a 14 year old. But at that time, I really just didn't have any of that perspective. So all that to say, I will give myself a little bit of credit and just say that I'm really grateful that that insecurity around not having my first kiss didn't lead me to jump into it with this guy. And that's not to say that my eventual first kiss was special or sentimental because it wasn't. That's a story for another time. But at the very least, I'm glad that it wasn't something that I did out of any feeling of obligation or pressure. And clearly the two weeks I spent dreading seeing this guy between classes taught me an important lesson that has persisted 16 years later. Having a boyfriend doesn't matter if you don't actually like him. And so that is a peek into who I was as a 13 to 14 year old. And if you've made it to the end of this solo trip down memory lane, then you're truly a real one. And I couldn't wrap up the final episode of 2020 without a little bit of sappiness by saying that I'm incredibly grateful for everyone who's tuned in to this quarantine project of mine over the past six months. To all of my former guests, to those who have left ratings and or reviews in Apple podcasts, and to anyone who's ever reached out to show support or share this podcast with a friend since launch, I just can't thank you enough. And you have been the ones who've made this all worthwhile and really who've driven me to continue to enable this late night habit for the sole purpose of keeping this project going. So thank you. And if you still feel compelled to listen to my opinions, even after hearing how clearly unhinged I was as a teen, please subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak. You can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts and don't forget to rate and review on Apple podcasts to help additional people discover this show. Finally, you can follow Interstates and Heartbreak all spelled out on Instagram to see episode updates and tongue in cheek commentary on guys dating profiles, or you can just follow my personal Instagram at Leslie Nope, and that's L-E-S-L-I-E-G-N-O-P-E. Happy Sunday and happier New Year.